Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter number four. We are going to read from verses one through to five. Second Timothy chapter number four. We are reading from verses one through to five. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Let's read verse 2 together. Ready? Go. Oh, no, no, no. Start again. Ready? Go. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Let's read verse 2 again. Ready? Go. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort and with all long suffering and teaching hallelujah verse 3 says that for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because of their itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's read verse 5 together. Ready? Go. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Hallelujah. Now, this is the instruction that Brother Paul wrote to his son in the ministry, Timothy, and he said to him, I am charging you. I am compelling you. I'm commanding you. I'm entreating you. I am actually giving you this advice before God and before the Lord Jesus, who is the judge of all flesh, that you must preach the word. Hallelujah. Somebody say, preach the word. He didn't say that, you know, only when you have been to the Bible school, only when you have become, uh, you have been appointed as uh, the, the, the bishop of the church, or you have been appointed as a pastor, or you've been appointed as a, a, a minister or a man of God, or you have been given a big title in the house of God, that you should start preaching. He said, no, 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 no. Preach the word. Hallelujah. He said, preach the word. And then he went on to show how you must preach. He said, first of all, be ready. So be ready with a message. Somebody be ready with a message. Or somebody say like you mean, be ready with a message. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a man of God, a woman of God. You don't have to be in the church for the last 20, 30 years before this command affects you. This command is for all of us. All of us must have a ready message. Amen. In, 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 in this day and age, the Christians today don't have a ready message. Because we are all in for ourselves. We are all in the house of God for what we can get. We are here for God to bless us. We are here to receive from God. We are here to receive a prophecy. We are here to receive, not to give. But Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hallelujah. So 
Every one of us. You see, I, I want us as a church to go back to the old time religion. Amen. Where every church member was a preacher. Amen. Where every church member had a message to preach. So part of the service, part of the worship, part of any church service had testimony service where everybody is given the opportunity to preach the word from their own experience, from their own lens, from their own eyes, what God has done for them. Hallelujah. And everybody had something to say about who God means to them. Who God is. How can you be in love with somebody and not have anything to say about the person? How can you say you love somebody and you cannot boast about the person? What type of love is this that you have but you don't know if somebody asks you, what do you love about him? I don't know. What does he mean to you? Why are you in love with him? And then you are scratching your head. Then you are scratching your ties. Because you don't have a ready answer. But if I were to ask you of a crush you have, if I were to ask you of, of a girlfriend or a boyfriend you have, I wouldn't have to dig deep for you to have so many things to say about the person. What makes the person unique to you? Hallelujah. So, Timothy was saying, Paul was saying to Timothy, preach the word. Have a ready message. Don't be a Christian who is second hand or third hand or fourth hand relationship. Your relationship with God is through your pastor whose relationship with God is through another person. So, it's like a third, fourth hand. You don't have your own relationship. If you are given a chance to defend the gospel, you won't be able to defend it. Evangelism is your five minutes or your ten minutes or seven minutes opportunity to defend your faith. Defend what you say you believe in. Hallelujah. Preach the word. When you meet somebody who is in distress, you must have a word for the person. When you meet somebody who is sick, you must have a word for the person. When you meet somebody who is crying, who is, who is heartbroken, you must have a word for the person. When you meet somebody who is excited, you must have a word for the person. When you meet somebody who is confused, you must have a word for the person. Not, not that you don't know what to say. And you call yourself a Christian, you've been in the church for more than, more than six months, and you cannot have a message to preach. There is something wrong. With what you say you believe in. Hallelujah. Paul said, preach the word. Learn to preach the word. Hallelujah. You know, when, when some of us first got born again, we used to sit because you knew that when you went to church, they do Bible quiz. And it could be anything. It could be sword drill. It could be a book in the Bible. Give, 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 give a five minutes run through of the book of Ruth. And I was, only a, I, was, I was only 12 years old. But part of our sword drill 
is give a five minutes run through of the book of Ruth of, or Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or Matthew. So it forced us to have to go home and do our homework. Hallelujah. Sometimes they tell you, come and share your quiet time. And that's before the service starts. Today, Christians who have been in church, even ministers, when I call you, come and share your quiet time, see them fumbling. Hallelujah. We were so excited the other day when uh, little uh, uh, Devon shared his quiet time and what he learned from his quiet time. As if, it was as if this is a novelty. We have never heard or seen this before. But that is what we, we have to be doing from that age. And not only there, throughout our Christian life. So that when we sit on the bus and the opportunity comes, it's not now we are fumbling in our head what scripture we can use. Uh, you know, my pastor one day said, no, which, which scripture is that? Nobody cares about your pastor. What verse of scripture are you talking about? Yeah. And then he goes on to say that, be ready. This is what I'm talking about. Be ready with the message. Be ready with the message. Be ready with your message. Your message is more powerful than the pastor's message. Because your message is your, your gospel. Your experience of who Jesus is. And that is more powerful. That is more convincing than any other person's message. Hallelujah. Do you have your own message? What does God mean to you? What is your experience with Jesus Christ? Be ready with that message. And then he goes on that. Let your message be convincing. Be ready to convince. Let your message rebuke somebody. How many have made a mistake before? Give me a wave. All of us in this room, we've made mistakes before. Which means that the proclivity of somebody else you are talking to, having made a lot of mistakes, is great. So your message must also correct, rebuke them. Hallelujah. Go and visit your friend, your female friend or your male friend, and they are telling you about something they are doing and you know it's wrong. Don't just say, that, don't just say it is wrong. Go into the scripture and tell them, according to this verse, according to that verse, according to that verse, what you are doing is wrong. Hallelujah. When you go and meet somebody who is discouraged, you must have a scripture to exhort them, to encourage them, to give them a hope, to give them something to look out for, to, 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 to live for. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? That is what Christianity is about. We have changed the gospel. We've made the gospel for lazy people. So that the pastor, the preacher is the one who has to do all the work. The rest of us were receivers. So we come and support like any team. We come and the supporters never play the game. They come and watch and they cheer for their, their stars. I came for Neymar. 
Me, I came for, uh, uh, what's the name? Madonna. Ronaldo. I'm Messi. I, me, I support Ronaldinho. No, no. You also have your message. Don't come and boast about your pastor. My pastor is very good. My pastor is a walking Bible. My pastor is this. My pastor is that. No, no, but what are you? With all long suffering and teaching. If you have been in a church for more than three months, you should be able to teach somebody something from the Bible. Otherwise, why are you hearing and listening to the messages every time? That's why these days we don't write notes. Because there's no need for it. We don't use it. Because we come and cheer. We come and mark the pastor's preaching. When he's preaching and he says a good word, they will clap. Five minutes after, we don't remember what he said that made us clap. Because we don't write any notes. Nobody has a notebook. That's why we used to go to church with a notebook and a pen. Because you need to write something down for your own message that you preach someday to somebody. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say that because the time will come when nobody will want to hear the thing that you have to say. Because everybody will want to have somebody will say something that they want to hear. Not something that they must hear. Hallelujah. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desire. Do you know that you, if you want to be gay, you can find a preacher who will preach you happy. You want to be a drug addict, you can find a preacher who will find no, nothing wrong with it and give you room in the Bible to be happy. You want to have five, ten boyfriends and ten girlfriends at the same time. You can have somebody who will preach from the Bible. Give you very nice scriptures that will support your behavior. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. The time will come that they will not want to hear. But he goes on verse 5. says, but you... But you, be watchful. When things are changing, take notice. Like now, we come to church, but we don't have a relationship with the Lord of the church. We come to church, but we don't have a relationship with our Bibles. We come to church and sit down and go on Facebook, go on uh, Instagram, while the uh, preaching is going on. And there's nothing wrong. Hallelujah. Be watchful. When things are changing, notice that things are changing. I need to go back to my relationship. I need to go back to the word of God. I need to become a student of the word of God. Now when I'm coming to church from now, I'm bringing my, my notebook and I write the, out the word of God. I write out the sermon. When I go home, I'm going to go and study it. And I'll go and practice the word that I received that touched my heart on my friend. Hallelujah. Come with me to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. That's my message for today. 
Verse 7. So you, son of man, he didn't say preacher. He didn't say pastor. He didn't say prophet. He did not say evangelist. He did not say pope. He said you, ordinary man, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear from, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. Amen. He wasn't talking to a pastor. He wasn't talking to a preacher. He was talking to us. He's saying that he has ordained us because God cannot come from heaven to talk to somebody, your friend, the person on the bus, your neighbor. God cannot come from heaven and tell them that this is what I am saying to you. But the only way he can do that is from, for us because he will lay it on our heart. He will lay it on our, uh, in our mind, in our spirit that this is the word for this person and you are supposed to do it because I've made you a watchman. Hallelujah. A watchman in the house. Therefore you shall hear the word from my mouth and warn them, verse, verse 8. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. Quickly, please. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. Did you hear that? If I say in my word that anyone who is wicked, who does wrong, their blood will be required. And I give you that scripture to warn them, like I'm giving it to you today. And you fail to warn them. They will die, but their blood I will require from your hand. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes when we come to church and pastor is encouraging us to do evangelism, go out and preach, we all have this selfish mindset that the pastor wants to make his church grow. So he's trying to use us to grow his church. But the Bible says in Psalm 127, except the Lord builds, they labor in vain, them that build. It's in vain to rise up early and to go to bed late, to eat the bread of sorrows. But he, God, he gives his beloved sleep. Hallelujah. He gives his beloved sleep. So we don't, if you like, don't go. The church will be built. Hallelujah. You do evangelism, you are not doing you are not doing any pastor a favor. It's for your own good. It's to recuse you from the blood of that wicked person. Because that blood will be required. Amen. Go back to that scripture. Ezekiel 33. If you fail to warn the wicked and he dies in his iniquity. His blood will I require from your hand. Verse 9. Nevertheless, if you want the wicked to turn from his, his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Hallelujah. 
So you see, when you preach to somebody, you are delivering yourself. Hallelujah. When you preach to your neighbor about the love of God, you have delivered yourself. I told you the, the last time that we are not the personal Holy Spirit. We are not the ones who are supposed to transform them. All we have to do is to be a watchman, to hear what God is saying to them and say to them, that's it. And as soon as we, we, we do that, we have absorbed ourselves from their blood. Hallelujah. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus, thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. This is the heart of God. God has no pleasure to see a wicked man die in their sins. That is why he has given us the opportunity. The reason why Jesus hasn't come back to the earth is because God has extended the time for the church to become effective, for the church to reach out to everybody, for the church not to become a God bless me church, but for the church to become contagious, to touch somebody with the gospel. Because he doesn't want to see the wicked die in their sins. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should be saved. Hallelujah. I have no pleasure that but he turned away from his from his ways and lived. Turn ten from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should you die in your sins? Therefore, you, O son of man, say to the children. Of your people, the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous man shall not deliver him in the day of transgression. As for weak, the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Nor shall the righteousness be able to live because, nor shall the righteous be able to live because of his righteousness in the day that he sins. Hallelujah. He's, he's saying that you, 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 must, you, must, you, you must understand that even the most wicked person, the day he turns from his wickedness, he turns from his sins, that is it. And you who say you are righteous, in the day of your transgress, in the day of your... your uh, uh, trial, your sin, or the, when you go into sin, your righteousness will not just save you. Some people say that if your righteousness balances your evil, then you're okay. It cancels it. No, no, no. This scripture disproves that right there. That equation doesn't work. <laughs> Hallelujah. What verse are we on? Verse 13, when I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered. 
But because of the iniquity that he committed, he shall die. Amen. You know, this scripture reminds me of the scripture that Jesus said that if you continue to the end, then are you my disciples. It's not enough to start. You have to go through to the end. Hallelujah. I I mean, I I don't know whether you've heard somebody say this. Oh, when you start to preach to them, you start to evangelize, they say to them, listen, this thing that you're doing, I've done it before. Have you heard that before? I used to do it. Me, I used to, I was, I used to go from bus to bus. You know, the people that I used to sit on the bus with to preach the gospel at the age of 12, 13, 14, 15, they don't go to church today. Some of my, my friends that I went as a young Christian, we used to sit on, the, on a bus. When we get on the bus, the, all the drivers knew, knew us. So when we get on the bus, they don't charge us. Because we are just going from one end to the other. Just when we finish preaching, we get down. Then join the next bus back. He says, until you go to the end, not when you start and in the middle, you leave it. Hallelujah. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to go to the end, verse 14. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die if he turns from his sins and does what is lawful and right. If the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen and walks in the status of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. This is what Jonah was afraid of. Said that this, you are know you that you are compassionate God. If I go and preach to Nineveh right now, and they turn, they'll be saved. But I want you to kill them. Not fair. Hallelujah. Listen, there will be a lot of surprises in heaven. There will be a lot of surprises in heaven. The person that you are looking down on, that you have refused to share the love of God with, maybe at the last minute, somebody will talk to them and they will, they will, they will change. Anybody, this, because this scripture says that anybody, the wicked, if you tell him in that minute, the person changes, he shall live. That is why we cannot keep quiet. I say that is why we cannot keep silent. That is why we must share the love of God. In this day and age, the love of God, our job has been made so easy. We don't have to do much to become an evangelist. You don't have to do much. All you have to do is maybe have a flyer. Maybe invite somebody into the church of God and let the pastor do the work that you couldn't do. Maybe putting it on your status. Putting your, your, that sermon that you, you, you are shy to preach, share it. Somebody may read it and it will be a seed. Hallelujah. Or are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I said, are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? None of his sins which he committed shall be remembered against him. He shall 
He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. Yet the children of your people say, the way of the Lord is not fair. Like Jonah said, this is not fair. Wicked people must die and be punished. But it is their way which is not fair. You, the righteous, that you are refusing to preach to get the wicked to turn around, you are not being fair. Hallelujah. You are the one who is not being fair. Remember the, the rich man said that I have five brothers. He was a rich man. He had died and gone to hell. Instead of him saying that, listen, I'm suffering. Cry your own cry. So me, I've seen my last. Let them come. When they come, whatever happens is their, their business. No, no. He said that, Father Abraham, I have five brothers. Send Lazarus to go and preach to them. So that they don't come here. Even in hell, the man was becoming an evangelist. Even in hell. He was thinking about the soul. He was thinking about the person he's interacting with. He was thinking about the person he sits next to on the bus. He was thinking about the person he sits next to in class. He was thinking about the person he works next, next to at work. Send, send uh, Lazarus to go and preach to them. And he said, no, no, no. Lazarus cannot go from the dead. They have Moses. They have the prophets. They have you and me. If the prophets and Moses decide not to preach, then the five brothers will also go to hell. But this time, I'll require their blood from Moses and the prophets and all of us. Yeah, so, in judgment, God will say to you, or God will say to me, how come all this blood are on, upon your hands because you didn't preach? I'm talking about the people that are in your world. Because as for blood, you see, blood, they will require blood from your hand. Have you seen when somebody's blood is being required from the hand of somebody before? What's the guy called? Chauvin. Is it Chauvin? Derek Chauvin. George Floyd's blood is being required from his hands. Because through him, the man died. He's trying to say the man is a drug addict, the man is this, the man is that. No, we are not discussing his drug addiction. We are not discussing what he has done evil. We are not discussing all that. We are requiring his blood from your hand. Explain how come you looked on and see his blood go. In the same way, we'll be sitting in Jared Chauvin's uh, chair and the blood of our neighbors will be required. It's not easy when you are on a murder trial. When they come, I'll say, Lord, Remember on the 14th of April, 2021, I told them. So immediately God says, okay, you go and stand here. You have absorbed yourself because you told them, if I say to the wicked, 
Repent from your sins. And they don't listen. They will die in their sins. But you, you have absorbed yourself because at least you told them. So me, I've told you. I've done my own. If you like, don't tell them. <laughs> oh, I didn't get any, even one person to clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't mean to scare you. I'm telling you what the word of God says. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful and right, he shall live because of it. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, I will judge every one of you according to your own ways. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 16, go into the world. Mark 16, verse 15, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Hallelujah. Can I give you two, three reasons why we must preach the word? Reasons why you must preach the word of salvation to others. Number one, we have been commanded to do so. I gave you that, isn't it? I gave you three. Number two was what? Because hell is real. Number three, Sorry? Obedience is evidence of your own salvation. Number, what's the next one? Okay, so the next one, number four, isn't it? To remain in silence is a sin. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 41, it says that, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Hallelujah. We have just looked at a few reasons why we need to preach the word, because their blood will be required out of our hands, isn't it? So it's a sin not to, not to preach the word. And James chapter 4 verse 17 says that therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it, to him it is a sin. You know to preach the gospel. You know to become an evangelist. You know to evangelize to somebody. You know to invite somebody to the house of God on a Sunday and you do not do it. To you it is a sin. It is not enough for you to come to church. You have dressed up. Say, Pastor, ask for me, I'm here. If they didn't come to hell with them, me, I'm here. Preach to me and let me go. No, 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 no. To him who knows the, what to do and does not do it, to him it's a sin. Make sure you don't go to church alone. 
go with somebody who needs the word. Amen. If you cannot preach to them, take them to the place where they can be preached to. Hallelujah. Number five, evangelism deepens your own personal work with God. The reason why you need to become a preacher of the word, you need to become an evangelist yourself, is because when you have to become an evangelist, it will force you to read your Bible. It will force you to develop your own sermons. Like I was saying, you have to develop a sermon when somebody is, is sick. You have to have a sermon, and you don't have to have a book. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like, wait, wait, let me find my notebook. Uh, the, the, the Bible says in uh, uh, this scripture, oh, wait, wait, let me see. No. So you have to commit to memories, healing scriptures. You have to commit into memory, deliverance scriptures. You have to commit into memory scriptures that encourages people. You have to commit into memory scriptures that rebukes people. Hallelujah. So the more you open yourself up to evangelism, the deeper you go into scriptures. Because you see, when you go out there, somebody will ask you a question and you look like a fool. How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody will ask you a question and that will even shake your faith. Because you realize you don't know much. And the next time, it will force you to go and study. I said, when you go on evangelism, it will force you to become a student of the word. Because you go and meet these type of people who are agnostics, who have taken their time to study some funny scriptures. That when they see you in your zeal coming, they will just puncture you <laughs> with one punch. <laughs> And, and that will shake you. But you see, that will also send you straight back to your, your closet to learn. Sometimes, by the time you leave having a, a conversation with somebody, you feel the spiritual attack on you. I don't know whether you've, you've had that experience before. You meet somebody and the person is not correct. The person doubles with the spiritual things. And as soon as you finish having that encounter, you feel an attack spiritually. So you have to come, go and fortify yourself. You can't just go and stand there. Jesus loves you. Jesus, hey. <laughs> Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed by rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study there doesn't mean just read. It also means that get yourself solid. In the word, in the scripture. Get yourself solid in prayer. Get yourself solid in, in, in the spirit. Hallelujah. Philemon chapter, verse 5 and 6. They are hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. When you share your, the love of God, it, become, it, it, it shows how effective the acknowledgement of Jesus in you is. Number six, 
evangelism or preaching the word causes us to search the scriptures. Reaching out to others will cause you to study a little bit more. So you pray a little bit more. You become more spiritual. You will listen more to sermons. And then you also read and learn your scriptures a little bit more. Amen. Number seven, it will deepen your gratitude for the cross. How many have had an encounter with somebody before and you've left feeling very sorry for them? You, you, you share the scripture with somebody and you can see how lost the person is. You can see how depressed the person is. You can see how confused the person is. You can see how messed up the person's life is. Have you ever been there before? And, 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 and when, when you are leaving, you, you, you thank God for the cross. You thank God that he commanded, he commanded his love for you and died and paid the price so that you didn't descend to that level. You got sin or you got saved when your mind wasn't too damaged. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus said something. To whom is forgiving much, loves much. Are you with me? When the people were, were, were criticizing Jesus for allowing Mary to, to, to put her hair in this uh, alabaster box and all that, I said, to what waste is this? Say, so you don't know. You, you were saved when you were not too deep. So you don't have appreciation for the cross and the work of the cross. You don't have appreciation for the house of God because you haven't been forgiven a lot. I know some people, when they get saved, they come and sit at the door at 5 a.m. waiting for the church to open. They can't wait to come to church because they appreciate God and what God has done. Because they know that without this thing, they would have been a mess. I can tell you my story. I don't know about yours, but I can tell you my story. All my brothers, I have four brothers. We are five. None of them is correct. None of them are correct. Two died before their time. My one brother died in a room for about two weeks. Nobody knew he was dead, alone, in a room somewhere in London. My other brother died. Nobody knows his grave that he was buried in. My brother. And the rest are in, on drugs and everything. What makes me different? What is it that has made me almost sinned? <laughs> yeah. We all grew up in the same house. We all grew up in the same house. What makes me different from my other brothers? I always say that all my brothers were very, very intelligent. When I talk about rating intelligence, you finish one, two, three, four, and I'm like in the next room 
behind or next. I was the dumbest in the, in the, in the, amongst the brothers. When I talk about intelligence, I was the one who didn't know anything. What makes me different? The only thing that makes me different was the cross. Yeah, that's the only thing. The cross. See, and the funny thing about my, my home is that the area that I grew up in, the area, it wasn't just my, my home alone. Every home, all the boys go crazy. They die early, they are on drugs, or they go mental. I can show you my street that I live on. You can go there and check. House number one, two. There are ten houses on the, on the, in the street. House number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If the person is not dead, they are on drugs. If they are not on drugs, they are, they are prison going in and out. Because I grew up in a very rich area. And all the boys, you know, the wealth of our fathers went into the heads of everybody. So they became crazy early. Crazy early. Hallelujah. So I mean, I appreciate the grace of God. I don't know about you, but I appreciate God. I appreciate the cross because my life is same because of the cross. If I lose the cross, I know I will not be alive. Because the house that I'm coming from, they don't like prosperity. They don't like men. It's only the women that are left. Even the women. Without the ones that don't have the cross, you can see them. When you see them, I mean, it's like night and day. I can ask my wife, she'll tell you. The ones that I have the cross, when you see them, you see them. The ones without the cross, they too, they are dead. When <laughs> you see them, it's not a yeesh. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I know that by for grace, but for grace, but for grace, I don't know about you, but me, but for grace, I won't be here. I would have been dead long ago. I'm the only surviving child, son. That has a little bit of sanity. When it comes to my area, you can throw a net amongst all the young men that grew up in that area. You can count on your hand. You won't get more than three that are seen. I can give my address after church. You can go check it out. Hallelujah. All of them are gone off. The ones that haven't gone off, they are on drugs. The ones that are not on drugs, they are in prison. But thank God for the cross. I say thank God for the cross. That is why I, I, I cannot but also preach. Hallelujah. I don't know your story, but this is my story. Everybody's got their story. Hallelujah. So preach the word. Somebody saved me from that impending doom and disaster because they preached to me when I was young. 
If they didn't, I won't be here today. Hallelujah. First, let's read the scripture and go home. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. I am determined not to know anything amongst you except Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. I am determined. We are continually preaching the cross because it gives us a good understanding of what he has done. When I preach the cross, I gain more understanding that but for that cross, I will not be alive. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I, I, I charge all of us, I challenge all of us, become an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Preach the gospel. Save somebody's life. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want you to pray and ask God for mercy. Ask God for mercy. Pray and ask God for mercy for neglecting to preach the word, for neglecting to become an evangelist, for not sharing the gospel, for becoming selfish where the gospel is concerned, where you had the opportunity to preach the word to somebody, but you, did, you neglected it, you didn't do it. You looked away when you needed to preach the gospel.